Welcome back to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew Jarrett and Nick Cooper. Today, we're joined by Nee Adewal. Nee is a former director of strategic accounts at a Fortune 500 healthcare company turned real estate entrepreneur. He was successfully able to move out of the corporate world into full-time real estate in August of 2022. Now, he gets to work in his passion of helping others achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, both as an investor-friendly realtor in Georgia and as a mentor to many within the Acabo Home Financial Freedom Mastermind Network. Nee, welcome to the show. Andrew, thank you, Nick. It's awesome to meet you guys, and it's a pleasure to be here. Great yeah, to great to have you on, man. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll I'll start off. We can just you know dive right in. If you could just give us a little bit. Hey, you left your W two within the last year. Like, like, can you kind of go through the journey on that? Absolutely. And uh, we talked a little bit off air about this, but definitely was shaking in the boots before making that official move. I can tell you that I was contemplating it for many months and thinking, okay, when's the right time to do this? And when I actually did tell my managers, there was just so much shock. Uh, kind of throughout the organization because I built up a reputation over eight years and kind of climbed the ranks. But taking a step back to what led to the decision, I always knew, uh, even coming out of college and getting into my first, you know, full-time corporate role in healthcare sales, that I wanted to have something a bit more. Right, coming up, my family had some financial struggles, and we actually were were bankrupt for a good portion of time. And I don't know if anybody on you know that that's listening has ever. Uh, known anybody that's filed for bankruptcy, but basically you can't get a loan on anything for seven years. And so we literally couldn't even sign an apartment lease for a long time. So we were moving around all over the place. And long story short, I realized, hey, financial independence and having some form of income that's not tied to somebody else um, and just tied to me is very important. And so when I got into the corporate world and I started working uh, right out of college at at the company that I was with, uh, I started thinking through, hey, how can I start to invest this money so it's working for me? And I stumbled across the Bigger Pockets podcast in 2015. And thankfully, that gave me some direction. I knew I wanted to do something with money. I didn't really understand stocks. And so that told me and taught me more about uh, a strategy called house hacking. And I used that to get into real estate in 2016 and continue to build from there. And I know we're going to talk about the portfolio and things of that nature. But Long story short, I was able to build up over eight years that portfolio from just that first triplex I brought to over 30 units with 25 of those in Louisville, Kentucky, and the other handful in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live now. And last year made that decision to move away from the W-2 into full-time real estate and focus on building this as well as helping other clients get into real estate as well. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's quite the step. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was definitely scary, right? Uh, <laughs> I can tell you, like when when every when the news kind of went out and everybody was was calling me and hit me up and things of that nature, yeah. it was like, okay, you know, did I really just do that? Um, but after you do leave your W two, I can tell you, it just gives you so much more time and energy, uh, and each day gets easier. So those first two weeks were rough, just like okay. Got to make sure I'm doing, like, keeping to a routine, things of that nature. And then it got easier, easier, easier. And now it's like, man, why didn't I do this years ago? Yep. Totally hear you there. Now, it's funny, house hacking. I I did that as well. When I was starting out, I had a duplex and I lived in the, the top floor with two of my buddies and then rented out the downstairs. 
And I was getting paid to live there. I mean, it's a great strategy. So <laughs> I love that you did that too. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's one of the best ways to get started, right? You know, being able to put down 5% or three and a half percent to buy an actual investment is incredible. Um, I can tell you similar to you, I bought my first triplex um, and was living for free. I bought it in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I bought it for 190. I scraped together everything I had to put down right. five grand on that and was able to cover the whole mortgage with the other two units. And then when I moved out, now I'm getting cash flow and I just kept doing that. I actually got so addicted to house hacking that I'm currently doing it where I live right now. Just nice. I'm doing a different form of it. We'll call it luxury house hacking, where uh, right now I live in a five bed, four bath in uh, Atlanta and my mortgage is roughly 4,500 a month. I would not feel comfortable paying that mortgage solo, regardless of anything else. I just, I'm like, that's a big number. That being said, I have a one bed, one bath in-law suite that I rent out on Airbnb. And that brings in roughly 2,500 a month on average. And so I'm really only paying two grand to live in an amazing neighborhood. So I'll take that all day. Hey everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Are you ready to maximize your real estate investing to its full potential? Send me an email at andrew at jarrettcapital.com and take your life and business to all new levels. That's andrew at J-A-R-R-E-T-T capital.com. Do you still self-manage those properties or do you third party uh, all your all your units now? Oh man, so great question. Initially, and this is advice I'd give any of your listeners, I think it's a lot of benefit to managing your own properties just to understand what goes into it. And early on, it's hard to reach economies of scale where you can actually negotiate for better pricing. And so when I first got started with that triplex in Louisville, uh, I managed that myself. I used um, Buildium, right? Which is a software. I know people use that folio. Zillow rent manager wasn't around when I, when I was starting, but um, I used that to manage that portfolio. And I built it up to 15 units and actually continued to manage that thousand miles away while I was in Boston selling medical devices. Um, and, and at 15 units, I tapped out. At that point, my realtor was sending me deals. And I was like, hey, I don't even want to look at this because I'm so busy trying to chase down like, okay, I got to get this lease. I need to get this person signed. I need to coordinate this. That I moved all of my Louisville properties over to property management. And it helped me grow that to 25 units, right? Because now I don't got to worry about it. I just hand it off to somebody else. Um, but for the units in Atlanta, these are all short-term rental or mid-term rental units, fully furnished. And so that's a strategy that really works here. And we can get into that piece. But these ones I manage. And when I got to owning four and managing about two more, which is like six total, I realized, hey, I'm not going to be able to continue to help clients as a realtor if this is taking up all my time. And so I started to build out a management company. And now I have five individuals that work underneath me. Uh, from guest experience managers that are handling all the messaging so operations manager that helps coordinate and make sure that we're getting new units online once we sign an agreement to the cleaning teams and systems that we have in place to automate that piece and so you know i, I went from just needing help with a couple of units to now we've built out a company that manages 20 units uh and growing we're going to hit 30 here probably by the end of summer so that's kind of the, the breakdown yeah, congrats. I think also one thing kind of touched upon, but if you can dive into a little bit more scale, when did you decide to really scale? You said you're at 15 units. What was like that breaking point? Like, I got it. I can't just keep, you know, doing this anymore. Yeah, it was really a time piece. And honestly, I, I'm so happy that you asked this question, Nick, because when you look at um, when is the right time for you to maybe move away from the W2 and things of that nature, 
I think you should work those things and treat it as a business partner until things start to break, right? Until you get to a point where it's like, hey, I'm going to drop a ball on one thing or the other. And so I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, I was selling medical devices up in Boston, and this is a high intensity job, right? It's 18 months to close a deal. You know, it's a yes or no. And if you, you know, mess up a deal, you could be fired pretty quickly, right? But we thankfully closed one of the largest deals in company history at 25 million. But that was 18 months of running all over the place. And I was like, dude, I can't come home at 5 p.m. and try to go till midnight and then get up at 6 a.m. and try to try to get it going. And so when I got to those 15 units, I realized I needed help. Like I had literally no time to myself. I said, okay, let me offset some of this to property management so we can continue growing continue having this money work for me so that eventually this money can overtake what I'm making here and I can walk away if I want to. And that was never the intent to walk away less than 10 years in. It was just, hey, I want to be able to have money working for me set aside so that eventually I could retire early if I want to, right? And so that was one scale. The other scale was when I moved into the new role uh, actually in Atlanta. After closing some of those deals in Boston, I got the opportunity to move into a director role where I was going more for strategic accounts. I wasn't in the field, just talking to like, you know, upper management at different hospitals at the top uh, 10 that we have in the Southeast. And so um, when I came down here, it was a lot less involved. So I was like, okay, let me get my realtor license. And so I started helping people on the side and I was like, all right, you know, I need some help with the short-term rental thing. Let me build the company. So I started doing that piece and we got to managing about, I think we were managing 15 units before I left. Um, and also, you know, I was averaging two deals a month as a realtor, which is pretty intensive if, if you're doing it right, right? And you're checking mm -hmm. in and making sure everybody's good. And so when I ran the numbers, no, I wasn't making as much money as I was making at the W-2 at that time, right? But if you factor in the tax benefits for being a full-time real estate professional, as well mm -hmm. as, hey, if I focus on this, what could we get it to? It was time to, to make a move before I dropped the ball one way or the other, because what I didn't want to happen is to get to a point where now I start missing meetings uh, for the W-2, things of that nature, and tarnish the reputation that you spend so long building. Because at the end of the day, you could potentially go back if you need to. But long story short, that was what made me shift into full-time real estate and start doing this. And like, hey, if I focus on this, and now just for reference, I mentioned, hey, if we close two deals a month, that's that's pretty good. Plus the tax benefits, it can, it can get us close and cover kind of a lot. Right now we have nine deals on the board under contract. And so just putting that focus on here since August um, has, has been incredible. I think that's one thing to kind of unravel or, or go back to a bit is you did the the calculus for the math on the taxes. So on paper, you may look really good at your W-2 job, but when you look at what you get as far as tax benefits as an entrepreneur, especially as real estate professional that we all have here, you know, it may actually even out. And like the old saying is, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yep. 100%, Nick, 100%. And I'll give you um, some firm numbers to, to yeah. reaffirm that piece. I, so like I mentioned it. up in Boston, right? We closed some major deals, things of that nature. There was a year where um, a, a Drake lyric really sung to me. Drake in one of his songs said, um, six figures when they taxed me. And I had to write a six figure check for taxes. And it was it was not fun, right? That was while I was working the W-2. It was a blessing to make enough to do that. But it was like, hey, how do we get out of this, right? <laughs> and fast forward to right now, now that I got the real estate status, I just did a cost segregation last year. I'm taking a lot of the depreciation that I wasn't able to take before because I was working. Right now I'm 1099, I can take that. 
my tax guy told me, hey, man, you owe $2,000 this year. So I will take <laughs> that all day. Um, and that's, you know, a six figure difference in in tax right there. It's an important thing, I think, for most entrepreneurs, especially, or once you start doing this, you need to start paying for tax advice, not the tax prep. So I know we're at, what's it, April 19th, day after taxes are due. That's what you need. You need someone to be able to tell you the advice and say, hey, you're going to save 20 grand, 30 grand here by someone that does your taxes for $1,000. So that's what you really need. Totally agreed. 100%. So I guess fast forward to today, you've done, you know, quite a few deals now. What are some of the things that have gone wrong in your investing career so far? And what were some of those lessons that you've learned? Man, you're, you're going to take some lumps along the way. Okay. So I will tell you that this is not all peaches and roses, right? Yeah. So just, you know, strap in. Uh, I can tell you that the two that come to mind first, one was not vetting properly the first property manager that I shifted to. So I mentioned like, hey, I shifted to property management, was able to grow to 25 units. Everything was good. No, there was a, there was a bump in the road before everything was good. The first property managers that I had were not the best. I'm not going to mention them here. But literally, it was like former tenants calling me because you're like, hey, I, I reached out three days ago. Nobody's hit me back. And the water heater's out. Like, hey, we, we need hot water, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so things that nature. Um, and so that was like a six-month experience of like, hey, is it me? Did I, am I not doing this right? Because I first time really delegating. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and so what it helped with was the next time when I started to vet a property manager, I knew what questions to ask. I'm like, hey, what systems do you have in place for this? Uh, what's your turnaround time for, for messaging? What penalties can we have in place? And things of that nature. Um, and the new guys that I got, which are my property managers today, are rock stars. But that was one bump in the road. And another piece on that, when we shifted from them to somebody else, um, you're not supposed to co-mingle uh, security deposits with your operating expenses. Yes. Right. It took us like three months and a letter from a lawyer to get our security deposits back from the previous company. So that just shows you like some of the books and things that were going on over there. It just wasn't good. Also, um, some of the other bumps, man, we've had, and this is actually not funny at all, but we bought this 12 plex for 500 K and uh, it was not a full 12 plex. It was three, four bedroom, four uh, unit homes that we mm -hmm. bought all from one owner kind of packaged together to get, you know, economies of scale. And it needed some work, like a good amount of work. And the tenants that were there, um, the owner had not cared for the units, so they didn't care for the units. I can tell you that we had somebody actually pass away in one of the units. So that was a weird experience to get an email from your property manager saying, hey, somebody's passed away in your unit. You know, I don't know how to take that. So that that was a, a crazy experience. Um, we've had uh, plumbing issues where, hey, the, like in one of the bottom units, the whole plumbing backed up into the unit. They sent me pictures on like a Sunday. And it's like, hey, this is what the unit looks like. It's like, dude, what is that? So, <laughs> so there's going to be bumps along the road. But what I encourage everybody to do, and 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 uh, and I know that you do as well, is to see the forest from the trees, right? When you look and take a step back, hey, if I buy this asset, what can it be worth down the road? And what can it do for me down the road? It's incredible. The first triplex I brought, um, I went full circle on that, selling it late last year. Really? No, late 21, 2021. Um, and I owned it for four years. And so that first triplex I bought for 190K. When I left, 
uh, and moved to Boston, it was renting for about 2,200 a month with a 1,400 mortgage. By 2021, it was renting for 2,850 a month with a 1,400 mortgage. And when I sold it, I sold it for 310. And so I was cash flowing the whole time and walked away with a six figure check. That's the benefit. And so I have the, I'm thankful to have that experience going full circle on one property to really be able to take everything else in stride. But I'd recommend with everybody, all you got to do is remain consistent in this and think about the long term. And the property is only going to get better and better and better for you. Yep. That's a great point you brought up too. The rents rise over time, especially the past few years with inflation. You know, down in Florida, we've seen 30% rent growth in a year. <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty good point you brought up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm actually interested in that in that Florida and Tampa market. That's one I'm eyeing as an expansion, but I just want to make sure we can lock down the Georgia piece. But yeah, Florida is, has been booming as well. San Diego is a little, little too expensive, man. I can't, I yeah, can't touch it right I'd now. stay away from, from San Diego <laughs> at the moment. I mean, like I say, it's, it's you know, invest where it makes sense, live where you want. That's, that's my motto here. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. If you could turn back uh, to your 18-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently, if anything? Man, what would I do differently? I think you still got to enjoy life, right? So, you know, I think we all make mistakes at 18. We're not going to get into those mistakes, but I would say, <laughs> I, I would PG say, show, right? <laughs> yeah, PG show. I would say, um, so I, I was blessed to get a full scholarship to, to Temple University yeah. and to be able to play football and kind of get my education there. Um, I didn't really learn about real estate and start reading those type of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Or you know, richest man in Babylon, and then listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast until about a year after graduation. Had I known what I know now, I definitely would have bought a property while I was in school. Um, and fast forward to today, my nephew is twenty years old, and he's in school right now. And we talk like like at least twice a week, and he's actually getting pre-approved to buy his first house. So I, I would do exactly what he's doing: get a house hack in school. That's one of the ways you can do that once a year. Find a way because it would set you apart quickly. That's, that's really it. You definitely need the lessons throughout life to, to make sure that you can learn it well. Right. And so I wouldn't change any of that, uh, but I would start investing sooner. Yep. No, good, good answer. So also kind of going back to your nephew, like what is your why for doing all this? Man. So the cool thing, and we didn't talk about this, but one of the, the partners that I have uh, in my LLC in Louisville was my mom. Right. Uh, and she worked, you know, 35 years in the healthcare industry as a nurse doing night shift while we were younger and going through the bankruptcy and things of that nature that were that were caused outside of her control. Um, and so one of my whys and, and what I think about every day is I want to make sure that I can provide for her as she's now, you know, retired and kind of living life and things of that nature and, and give back to her for all that she's done for us. And then also provide for the future generations. I want to make sure that, uh, you know, with the knowledge that we have and the opportunities that we have today, we're able to set up the rest of this family to really be successful for generations to come and not have to struggle. That being said, not going to be given to you. You need to go out there and work, but there's going to be a lot more direction for you. And, and we'll be able to support you a lot more from a financial standpoint and even just being present, right? Being able to, to not you know, be doing 12 hour night shifts because I don't have to, to support the family, things of that nature. And so that's, that's really the why. 
that's great. I don't know of a stronger one than that. So that's great. Yeah, I agree. That's powerful. <laughs> now, I guess what separates you from other realtors in the in the Georgia area? I know you're investor friendly. Can you maybe go through that? You know what you look for, or how you know what that differentiator is. Absolutely, and and I love this because I talk to clients about this all the time. But it is that investor friendly piece, and I think Nick talked about it earlier, right? When we were talking about tax professionals, you want to get somebody that's actually going to be able to give you strategy, not just, you know, hey, just put this stuff into a computer and kind of send it along. Um, and so when you look at all the professionals that I work with, well, my tax guy owns more real estate than me, right? My realtor in Louisville, star, she's been investing for me. And so if this is something that you want to get into, you need to surround yourself with professionals that are actually doing it because if they're doing it for themselves, say my tax guy is reading a new tax law to save money on his taxes for real estate, he's going to be able to pass that along to me even better because he's motivated. And so when you look at clients that are looking to get into investing, get into house hacking, things of that nature, who better to work with than somebody that's actually done it and is currently doing it, that has an eye for it and can kind of go out there and guide you along the way, not to mention when you look at the contact list that I've been able to build up around the metro Atlanta area, uh, I've invested in flips alongside doing the short-term rentals and helped clients get you know, luxury houses and short-term rentals and things of that nature. We actually just helped the client close on a $2 million luxury short-term rental that we're going to manage for them. It's going to take a little while to get up and running, but we're going to manage it for them. And so long story short, for those that are looking to get into investing or house hacking around metro Atlanta, our team is full of individuals that actually do it on a daily basis. And so we advise you as if we're going to go buy it ourselves because we might, if you don't buy that house, we might buy the house. Now, I like the point you mean there about <clears throat> professionals. And I've heard before is that the amateur is going to cost you money. Professionals going to save you money. That's exactly what, you know, you're doing There's professionals that are doing it, that are, you know, not just like reading a book, but actually in the weeds and in the trenches doing it are the ones who are going to help you and save that, save that money. You're going to pay more for it. But you're really not because it's, it's gonna it's gonna save you money. So right. agreed. Agreed. And and people that really get that quote that Nick just said are those that have hired an amateur before. And I, I'm one of those guys. I've, I've done that before and I've learned. So I'm like, hey, let me, let me right go here, with the professional. Right here. <laughs> now, Nick, what would be your number one uh strategy for somebody just starting out, you know, that's trying to get their first stream of passive income? What would you suggest they do? Andrew, you said it earlier. House hack. That's that's the best way. It's like investing with training wheels, right? Normally for an investment, and I give you two examples, right? Normally for investment, you have to put down anywhere from 15 to 25%. We'll just call it 20% to, to be safe. And so I bought two houses within the same year um, in 2021, right? In the same neighborhood. One of them was for 670, which is my personal residence. And I put down 31K to buy that house, 5%, right? And it's paying me dividends. The other one was a pure investment property, and I put down 20%. That house was 460, and I had to put down close to 90K, maybe a little bit over 90K to buy that house. And it cost less. And so being able to get a house that has another potential income suite for 5% or 3.5% down, and then move out and do it once a year, it's a great way to see one, if this is for you, do you like this investing path? And two, to not only lower your expenses from a living and housing standpoint, but then get an investment and kind of get going from there. Yep. Great strategy. Love like it. it. Builds the equity up too, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, how do people contact you? How do they reach out and get a hold of you? Yeah. So 
Um, we are on all the social media networks at Akabo Home, A or at E K A B O H O M E. So please reach out there. Also, we got our website, akabohome.com. You can hit me up, uh, hit our team up. We're more than happy to help or collaborate with you. And then every Wednesday, we have our Cabo Home Financial Freedom Mastermind Group meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and the reason it was 7 p.m. Eastern is we started this while I was working by W-2. So that was the only time I was, I was done work. Uh, but now we're keeping it, right, to help everybody kind of get toward that financial freedom and be able to really live the life you want to. So please feel free to reach out anywhere there. Awesome. Awesome. So we got one more question, then we'll get into our five to thrive. Okay. So if you could step into our shoes for the interview. What's one question you would ask yourself that we did not ask you? Step into your shoes. One question. This is a good one. That's a tough one. Um, I feel like you guys have covered a lot, right? You've covered a heck of a lot. The one question you didn't ask me, though, is where my alliances uh, stand from a sports standpoint. I, I told you I live all over the place. say, hey, are you supporting Philly? Are you supporting Tennessee? What you got? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and to answer that question, I'm supporting who wins. No, I'm So from a basketball standpoint, I know we got the playoffs right now. I am a Lakers fan just because Kobe back in the day, you know, I was coming up, he was winning all those championships with Shaq. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, Lakers. Um, I am a Titans fan, unfortunately, um, cause I was born in Nashville and I just, uh, you know, I saw the Eric McNair days when we were one yard away from winning a Super Bowl and we still haven't won a Super Bowl. Um, and so those are like the two major teams. And then of course, Temple Owls fan, um, because I, I went to Temple. All right. Awesome. So here's our five to thrive. So this is a word association game. So I'm just going to rattle off five words, just kind of rapid fire and just give us back the first word or phrase that comes to mind. The only thing is you cannot repeat the same answer. Fair enough. Is there a timer on this or? Nah. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. <laughs> All right. First one, financial freedom. Uh, uh, time freedom. Okay. Networking. Hugely important. Yep. Real estate. Financial freedom. (laughs) (laughs) Wealth. Generational. And mindset. Uh, Habits. Good one. I like it. Well, Nia, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. (laughs) Absolutely. No, thank you guys. Seriously, thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure meeting both of you.